Well, good morning, everybody. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, let's make a joyful noise to the Lord. To those of you who are watching, thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you for the privilege of your time. We appreciate you being with us on this Thanksgiving weekend. And we thank you wherever you are in the 164 countries that we are being watched in. We just want to say thank you for being with us. Remember, you're not watching to make me a big preacher or us a big church. We're here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. This Thanksgiving season is always a season of sharing and giving. I want to give a special shout out to the Good Hope Men's Ministry and their partnership with the Network of Brothers. I think we have some pictures. Uh, ICNA Relief Houston, the Sons of Wisdom, and the Brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity last Tuesday night uh, went out and served over 300 people at four transitional housing locations and on the streets of downtown Houston. Um, I want to thank uh, Deacon Charles Carswell for helping to coordinate that and all of the men. And I need you to know that when we talk about service and serving projects in Rooted and Grounded, that is not the end. That is the catalyst. That is the beginning. Uh, we're going to start highlighting uh, service projects every month. We thank and praise God that every week we've been averaging... <coughs> Excuse me, every week we've been averaging over a thousand people that we've been serving outside of our church family in this community, being salt and light. Uh, we've got our salt and light fair coming up in January. You'll hear more about that. Uh, but again, we find the fulfillment of who we are as Christians, who God called us to be, who Jesus died for us to be when we are more outside of the sanctuary than we are in the sanctuary. That's why he told us to be the salt of the what? Earth and the light of the world. We don't want to be salt in the salt shaker and light in the light store. Amen. We want to make sure that we are in dark and decaying places and fulfilling our potential. I need rooted and grounded to make some noise. Man, we are so grateful and thankful uh, for our celebration on last week. Come on, if you were blessed by that celebration, just give the Lord a hand of praise. Man, Dr. Nathan Johnson came in on last week. It was an absolute blessing. He had an opportunity to uh, baptize his granddaughter, Estelle, and he had family here, of course. Um, but man, everything was so powerful. The testimonies, the cardboard testimonies, and and everything as we reported on all of the lives that we've been able to touch and change, the number of conversions that we've had, baptisms, uh, the number of people who have united with our church, and we're looking to double that number next year if the Lord says the same. We just kind of felt our way through, but man, next year, we're looking forward to God doing even greater things. Somebody say greater things. We want to see God do even greater things in our church and through our church to help people who need Jesus come to know him and to help people who know Jesus to grow in him. Now, don't forget, we'll start registering next Sunday. Uh, we're going to add now another layer to our discipleship uh, curriculum. 
Um, but the key is always the seven rhythms and always relationships. Uh, so I want to get you and encourage you. Uh, we've got almost 45 groups set, ready to go. I'd like to get up to about 50 if possible. Uh, we have Purpose Driven Life coming online and we have Rooted. So for those of you who see Rooted as a baseline curriculum, I know my wife loves doing Rooted. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get her to move to Purpose Driven Life because she is so in love with facilitating that and helping people in that initial step in their walk with God to find the Lord. And so um, I'd love to encourage those of you, if you've been through it a couple of times, man, now let's start inviting people and sharing with unchurched and unsaved people and de church people to get them in the rooted, but purpose-driven life may be the path to get them started. And so make sure that you are ready to register for that. We've got a uh, facilitator edition of uh, Rooted and Grounded video that I want to share with you today. Uh, nothing is more powerful than a testimony. Um, our cardboard testimonies are so powerful, but when we testify with the words of our mouth, it is also a powerful vehicle. And for those of you who may be questioning whether you want to be a facilitator or not, uh, maybe you don't see it in yourself. I want to make sure that you don't make the mistake of not seeing in you what God sees in you. So many times in life, we miss God's best blessings for our lives. Thank you, Lord, because we are busy hearing what other people are see seeing and saying about us, or we're busy talking down about ourselves, and we fail to see what God sees, and we fail to move on what God says. So I want you to hear this video on today. Why do you facilitate every time there's a campaign at Good Hope or Life Group Ministries? Well, the answer is simple. I just love the ministry. Being a part of Life Group and facilitating is my superpower. It is giving me the opportunity to grow in God's word as well as being able to connect with others in the church. Let me share with you three reasons why I decide to facilitate. Starting with number three. Number three is, I wanted to meet more people. It was my opportunity to get a chance to have a church family. And being a part of Life Group Ministries gave me the opportunity to have a more intimate relationship with people who I went to church with, and I love that. Number two was discipline. To be honest with you, studying the Word of God by myself wasn't doing what it need to do for me. So being a part of Life Group gave me accountability, something that I needed in order to stay on track with learning and growing in God's word. And number one, it's just an honor to serve. Being a facilitator, you and I are given the gift to disciple others, to share God's word, to share his love that he has for all of us. 
God has forgiven me for so much. He's been better to me than I deserve. And being a facilitator is just my way of saying thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy that you showed to me. Remember, God promised and he told us he was going to make us fisher of men. There's a lot of fish out there, so let's go get them. Yeah. What a blessing, what a blessing. Uh, Sister Paula Fortune has been a facilitator uh, since 2001. I mean, since we had our first group. And she does such a tremendous job in helping people come to know the Lord and grow in the Lord. And I want somebody who's listening right now, whether you are in the sanctuary or you are watching, wherever you are, to know that God can use you to help facilitate a group. We have uh, facilitators on the digital platform who have 100% digital groups all over the world. Matter of fact, I've got to share this with you. You know, we had our life group uh, this year in Senegal, this session in Senegal, West Africa. And out of that life group in Senegal that was led by my bonus daughter, Alicia, uh, three groups are being birthed out of that one group. And they're ready to come online in January. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for that. That's amazing. Um, now they're getting ready to do a life group in Cameroon. Um, and so we're looking forward to God doing some amazing, amazing things. Or I should say, keep doing amazing things because he's already doing that. Um, I need you to put this on your calendar on Saturday at 10 a.m., Saturday at 10 a.m. at the Post Houston, 401 Franklin Street. Um, there will be an unveiling and plaza dedication in the memory of Barbara Jordan. They will be doing a monument there in her honor. This used to be the Barbara Jordan Post Office, and they are dedicating the plaza to her. That's on this Saturday, December the 2nd at 10 a.m. And then on Saturday, December the 2nd at 6 p.m., we're going to have our Precious Memories Remembrance Service. Uh, this is such a powerful service, and I want you to encourage our friends and family members to come. We'll be streaming it as well for those of you who are watching. Uh, this is a service where we remember those who have gone home to be with the Lord. We remember those who have passed away. As we come into the holidays, there are many people. This is their first holiday um, when that loved one is gone. Uh, this is the first holiday when the family is going to gather and there's going to be an empty chair there. And so we talk about how to remember your loved ones and to celebrate their lives in a very positive way as you think back over those memories. I know for me, I went to <coughs> Philadelphia the first Sunday in November for the first anniversary of Pastor Herb Lust III. And y'all, I got choked up once I got to Philadelphia and realized I couldn't call my pastor anymore. And that wasn't the first time I've been to Philadelphia. It just hit me that I couldn't call him anymore. It just didn't even feel right being in the city and being at the church and him not being there. And uh, I remembered him last year and got my little stone. I look at it every day as I walk by our little table. But it's an opportunity for you just to remember those who have been a blessing in your life and those 
who are the foundation for your life and living. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you and thank you for your word. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say uh, will be pleasing in your sight. Uh, thank you, God, for just your goodness and your mercy. And I pray now that as your word goes forth, it will go forth and be received in a way that you want it to be. It's in Jesus' name you, we pray. Amen. Do you know anyone who's ever tried to do the right thing the wrong way? Uh, typically, it comes up right when we're trying to, for example, assemble something or, or put a product together. Um, I don't know how many of you are the I'm going to learn as I go. I don't need the directions kind of people, right? Uh, but those people who don't want to read directions, those people who don't want to read the manual, those people who just say, oh, I know how to do it. Uh, it. It's amazing how many times they want to do the right thing, but it ends up being done the wrong way. I can remember, um, as I tell on myself, um, I was putting something together. You know, I had the box in front of me and I said, OK, I see this. All right. That's easy. And I took out all of the uh, tools and all of the screws and all of the uh, uh, dowels and everything that was needed to put it together. And it was amazing to me, Deacon Martin, I was trying to figure out when I got through putting it together and it looked good, why I had so many screws left over. And of course, when I got ready to move the object, right, it was unstable. It wasn't, I said, you know what, let me just go on and take this thing apart and put it back together the right way. Now, it's easy to see how doing something the wrong way, even with right intentions, can be a problem when you're putting together a specific product. But my brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you today that if we're not careful, we'll have the right intentions but go about it the wrong way when it comes to our praise of God. See, I submit to you that for many people, they praise God sometimes with the right intentions but not necessarily the right way. Uh, we praise God because of what we've gotten. We praise God because of what we want to get. We believe that if, as the old colloquial phrase is, if praises go up, blessings come down, not recognizing that enough blessings have already come down, that if another blessing never comes our way, we still should be praising God, even in the midst of this Thanksgiving season. Uh, I remember as a boy, we would stand around the table and, and, and grandma or granddad would say, all right, everybody go around and say what they're proud of or what they're thankful for. And even the little kids had to say what they were thankful for. And, you know, you would cheer and say, all right, yeah, all right, that's great, that's great. But how many of us really stopped during this Thanksgiving season to thank God for all of his goodness in our lives? Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, how to thank God the right way. How to thank God the right way. And our text today is Psalm 103. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1. <clears throat> now, the four Psalms that close book 4 of the book of Psalms, Psalms 90 through 106, emphasize praise to the Lord for several reasons. 
Uh, Psalm 103 talks about praising God for his benefits to his people. Psalm 104 talks about his care for his creation. Psalm 105 talks about his wonderful acts on behalf of Israel. And Psalm 106 talks about his long-suffering with his people's rebellion. Uh, What's interesting is Psalm 103 is a psalm of joy and thanksgiving. It's a psalm of recognizing God's manifold blessings in our lives. And here's what's interesting about Psalm 103. There are no requests made by the psalmist. The psalmist doesn't ask for anything. The psalmist doesn't complain about anything. The psalmist doesn't lament anything. The psalmist is only praising God. And in verses 1 through 14, I believe God gives us a formula, a recipe, a model, a pattern for how to praise God and thank God the right way. Here's the first thing. Number one, you must make sure you take the time to praise the Lord personally. You must take the time to praise the Lord personally. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1, the ESV translation says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits towards me. The psalmist begins by declaring the blessing of the Lord and using in conjunction with this the personal pronoun, my. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's it's almost as if the psalmist is speaking to the Lord and allowing us to eavesdrop on his conversation. He says, Lord, I want to bless you because here's what he recognizes. He recognizes what my grandmother said to me, that every tub sits on its own bottom. You've got to learn how to thank God for yourself. You know, it's amazing. Many of our children were in town during this holiday season, or maybe you spent time with family members and friends, and so many of our children, sad to say, have made it only by the grace and mercy and prayers of their mamas and daddies. But you get to a place, you talk about adulting, where you have to learn how to start adulting in your spiritual life. And you have to get to the place where you develop your relationship with God for yourself. So you can't say, bless the Lord, oh, mama's God, or oh, daddy's God. You got to say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. It's got to become personal for you. And and let me tell you something. If you haven't gotten there yet, uh, uh, just keep on living and hold on tight. Uh, Because the relationship with God that, that is deepest is typically created out of the place of deepest pain and deepest sorrow. A.W. Tozer said, God uses no one greatly until they've been hurt deeply. Uh, that we've got to go through some stuff. You, you, you would never know God could solve your problems until you have a problem. 
You can't declare he's healer until you've been sick, until you've gone through some tough times. You can't know that he's deliverer until you get in a situation where you need to be delivered from. So he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That word bless, Barak, uh, in the Hebrew appears some 330 times. It, it literally uh, uh, means in this context to kneel or to bless God, to honor God. And, and here's what's interesting. It's repeated two times in verse 1 and verse 2, and it appears again at the end of the psalm. And repetition in the Bible is almost always for the sake of emphasis. In other words, it's not vain repetition. It's not that the psalmist didn't know or have anything else to say. He just wants you to get it for real. For real, for real. Right, so when he says, bless the Lord, oh my soul, he is literally saying out to God, God, I am going to honor you. God, I reverence you. God, I worship you. I delight in you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Because watch this, the thanks that he gives to God is not superficial. It's coming from his soul. He says, all that is within me. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? It is sad. It is tragic that in so many instances, the best praise that God gets from us is an orchestrated praise that's facilitated by a worship leader in a church for 20 minutes. What a tragedy that, that we don't give God thanks just because of who God is and what God has done in our lives. What, what a tragedy we come into church and, and we almost come in defensive as if, you know, well, I'm going to see if you can move me. I'm going to see how well y'all sing today. Pastor, I'm going to see how well you preach today. And we don't come in with praise on our lips. He says, and all that is within me, my whole nature, my intellect, my emotion, my feeling, my sentiment, my brain, my heart, my lungs, my tongue. The, the psalmist says, I'm going to bless the Lord with all that is within me, my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Are, are, you, are you praising God the right way? See, see, the psalmist challenges you and me to remember that's that's why he says i'm gonna bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits towards me the chat the psalmist challenges you and me to remember because he knows we have the tendency to forget matter of fact let me go one step further sometimes we forget to give God thanks because we're so busy wanting more of what we don't have that we don't stop to reflect and thank God for what we do have. And so he says this praise should be more than just heartfelt. It should be heart birthed. Let me share with you the second thing. You must remember to thank God for his person. You must remember to thank God for his person. You not only need to make your praise, your thanks personal, but you've got to remember to thank God for his person. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I want you to circle that word, Lord. Now, it's not misspelled. As a matter of fact, if you have a good English translation, that English translation will reflect the different 
Hebrew words that are used for Lord depending on how it's spelled. Some uh, words are spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the English version. Some are spelled capital L, lowercase o-r-d, and some are spelled lowercase l-o-r-d. When you see all caps, l-o-r-d, that is a representation of what is called the tetragrammaton. It is the y-h-w-a. It appears in the Hebrew without its own vowels, and its exact pronunciation is debated by scholars. Some call it Yahweh. Some would say Jehovah. Some would say Yahweh. It represents the self-existing God, the one who was in the beginning before the beginning began. It is a word that occurs over 6,800 times in the Bible. It appears in every period of biblical Hebrew. Why? Because God was in the beginning before the beginning began and will be at the end when the end comes. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord. There's no other God above him. That's who I'm blessing. That's who I'm giving glory and honor to. It doesn't matter. Watch this. What you say or what you do, I'm going to bless the Lord and I'm going to make sure, listen carefully, that I do not bless a God of my own creation. But I'm going to bless the Lord who created me. You know what? So many times in life, we are trying to create and make and build and sustain. And we fail to stop and say to God, God, thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I bless. You are the one who created me. You are the one who sustains me. You are the one who keeps me. Lord, I thank you. Uh, Jewish families have a tradition. They not only say grace and thank God before they eat, but it's said that they pray and thank God after they eat. They pray God's blessings on the food as they prepare to eat it, and then they pray for the blessing of the food that they ate after they finish because they want to make sure that there's thanks on both ends of their meal. Here's the third and final thing. I told you, number one, you must... Make sure you take the time to praise the Lord personally. Number two, you must remember to thank God for his person. Number three, you must remember to thank God for his provisions. Everybody say provisions. Now, now, this this passage is so powerful to me because when when you think about what the psalmist is thanking God for, I, I want you to notice what he focuses on and what he says nothing about. Uh, He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. His benefits. He says, forget not all his benefits. Too many times people forget. He says, don't forget the benefits that God has blessed you with. Watch this, not focusing on what you want from God, 
but focusing on the benefits that God has already provided for you. He said, focus on his benefits. And then he starts laying out the benefits. Look at the first benefit. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity. Uh, A, thank God for what he's doing in your present. Thank God for what he's doing in your present. Benefits um, speak to that, those beneficial treatments that uh, you receive from the Lord, those, those uh, beneficial outcomes that you receive. Now, now, I need you to hear me carefully because the scriptures teach us that everything we go through may not feel good and may not be good, but it's always for our good. Let me say it again because some of y'all missed it. Everything may not feel good and it not, may not be good, but it's always for our good. That on the other side of what we go through, ultimately, here's what God wants us to understand. God wants us to learn in every situation who we are and who he is and what his purpose is for our lives. And can I tell you something? His purpose is not always brought about out of pleasantness in our lives. Sometimes God has to take us through some things in order to get out of us all that is within us. We want pleasure, God wants purpose, right? So we want good times and God wants a good person. God says, I'm trying to make you, mold you, shape you, and I need you to learn how to see beyond what you're going through. So the benefits have nothing to do with stuff. I want y'all to hear me today. See, see, when we start thinking about thanking God, we want to thank him for the material possessions. We want to thank him for the car, the house, the clothes. We want to thank him. And none of that is what is listed here. When God provides, the psalmist says, let me teach you how to thank God the right way. Let me teach you what you need to praise God for. First, he says forgiveness. This is the first and arguably the greatest benefit of what God provides for us. He forgives. He forgives. The Bible says he forgives us of our iniquities. Iniquities speak to something that's twisted, something that's distorted. And the Bible says he forgives. Now, don't miss this. God is the subject of forgiveness. We are the object of forgiveness. So we are not the ones forgiving him. He forgives us. And it's out of his grace that you and I have experienced God's forgiveness. He said you ought to thank God for his forgiveness. But watch the second thing he says. I got to hurry through this. He says you ought to thank God for what? Your healing. He says, you're healing. Write that down so you're healing. Now, the word healing there is an interesting word because it's the word Rapha, right? You've heard the phrase Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. That, that came about, listen carefully, when the children of Israel were on their wilderness sojourn and the Bible says they came to the bitter waters of Mara, the bitter waters of Mara, and God told them to put that branch in the water, and the water was healed, and they could drink the water. So here's what's interesting. When the word Rapha is shared, 
it occurs approximately 65 times in the Bible. It means to mend or to cure, to repair. It may be described as a restoring to normalcy. Here's what I need you to know. Please don't limit the healing power of God to what you go through physically. Sometimes you need God to heal a situation, to heal a circumstance. Come on, somebody who identified a stronghold, God had to bring some healing into your heart, healing into your life. You may not still, you may not be there yet, but you're in the process of getting back to a place of health and wholeness. The Bible says the Lord is a healer. So he says you ought to thank God for his healing. The next word he says, that's a benefit he redeems. He redeems. He delivers. Uh, he brings back to and restores uh, value to or recognizes value and then brings it back into and puts it back where it needs to be. That idea of redemption, of, of reclaiming and identifying. I was, I was walking down the street just the other day. And I saw a coin on the ground, and I was thinking to myself that that coin, uh, when I pick it up, won't add a lot of value to my bottom line. It's not going to add to my net worth. It's just a coin, right? And, and it's pretty insignificant in me or to me, but guess what? It had value, Brother Davis. And as long as I left it on the ground, it could not fulfill its purpose and live out its value. So I picked up the coin, Brother Jenkins. I picked it up and I put it in my pocket. And I said, I've redeemed that coin. And then the Holy Ghost said, no, you didn't. Said, you just changed its location. Holy Ghost said, it's not redeemed until you put it back in circulation. Somebody ought to hear me in here. Because I need somebody to know that God redeems. God can find you where you are, pick you up where you are, and get you back in circulation. Is there anybody here who needs to thank God because you have been put back in circulation better than you've ever been before? Is there anybody in here who can testify God has healed your mind, he's healed your body, he's healed your spirit, he's helped you to recover, he has redeemed you. And then David says, he has crowned me. Look at what he says. With steadfast love and mercy. Uh, that word love, God's hesed, is one of the most central characteristics of God. It, it is who he is. It is his nature. His loving kindness is offered to his people who are in need of redem redemption. And it's an unconditional, unwavering love. That's why he calls it a steadfast love. This is not a wishy-washy love. This is not a temporary love. This is not a conditional love. Somebody, if you didn't do it this past week, you ought to do it right now. Thank God for his steadfast love that does not shift, that does not change. And he says his mercy is there. Uh, his compassion, the, the, the tender love that God has, the pity 
that God has. He gives us his steadfast love that doesn't change. And when we need it most, his mercy is available for us. And then he says he satisfies. That's a benefit that he satisfies. He, he satisfies you. Verse 5 says with, with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, now here's what's interesting. The psalmist says God provides all you need to be satisfied, to be content, to be full, to have plenty, to have enough. Uh, some of you know, for example, over this past week, uh, the celebration of the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, the spirit of gluttony came by your house. Spirit of gluttony, and you, and you ate yourself into a coma. You don't have to say amen. I know you're right. That's why we're a little light this morning. There's some folks still recovering from that self-induced self-induced coma, right? We ate ourselves to the point that we just passed out, couldn't do anything else. And then when we woke up, we went back to do it all over again, right? Here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. You got to a place where you were satisfied. You were full. You didn't need anything else. Somebody said, you want anything else? You said, no, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Wore your sweatpants on purpose. You said, I'm fine. Loosened up your belt. Come on, unleash on top of one of those buttons up at the top. He said, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm stuffed. David uses the phrase to say God satisfies. And watch this. He gives enough to be satisfied. And if you're not satisfied, it's not because you haven't been given enough. It's because you want more than you need. Let me put a quarter in the meter and park right there because some of y'all missed it. See, most of us don't realize that we really live our lives out of greed more than need. We, we are in excess. Um, I had somebody come to the house one time and, and they, were, they, were, they loved the food so much that they ate until they got sick. Then they had to go in the bathroom and relieve themselves. Both sides, both ends. They had to relieve themselves. But they were still coming out of the bathroom about how good the food was. Wait a minute, it can't be that good if you take it in more than you need. And your body has let you know you have overdone it. Right? And too many times in life, we spend our time trying to get stuff over and over again that we do not need and here's why you cannot be content this is the message for somebody today here's why you can't be content with what you have because you build your contentment based on what you want and there's always more out there in the world than you could ever need or get and so you continue to focus on what you don't have instead of learning how to thank God for what you do have the last benefit, he says, is renewal. He says uh, in verse 5, that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, to be new, to rebuild, to renew, to repair. He says that's what, that's what God does. That's, that's one of the benefits. And you notice that he never talks about stuff. He's talking about what God wants to do in you and to you, how he wants to mold you and shape you. But look at B. I don't want you to miss this. Because just in case 
you still don't think you have something to thank God for. Just in case you are still questioning or somebody that's watching or somebody you know says, man, I ain't got nothing to be thankful for. He says, flip the coin. Look at B. He says, thank God, the psalmist says, for what he's not doing in your presence. He says, you need to thank God <coughs> for his benefits. But just in case you don't think God has done enough for you, you need to learn how to thank God for what he hasn't done. Some of y'all looking at me strange. Look at, look at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. The psalmist says, listen, when I think about the goodness of God, and I thank him for all that he's done. Just in case I run out of stuff to thank him for, I start thinking about what he could have done, what he shouldn't have done that he decided not to do. He said he does not deal with us according to our sins. In other words, when God looks at us, he sees us in our frail, fragile, failing conditions. And if justice had have been served, we would have been gone a long time ago. But God chose not to deal with us according to our sins, and he chose not to repay us according to our iniquities. Can you imagine if God dealt with you according to your sins and your shortcomings? If you, can you imagine if God dealt with you according to your thoughts, your words, and your deeds? Can you imagine if God dealt with you based on not who you pretend to be on the outside or who you try to be on the outside, but he actually dealt with you about and based on who you are on the inside? The psalmist says, I, I bless you, Lord, because you always deal with us. You always deal with me according to your steadfast love and your mercy. You don't give me what I deserve. You give me what I need. And, and look at what he does. He, he takes, in verse 11, he takes the two largest measures on the earth and uses the largest measures on the earth to try to describe the love that God has. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. Everybody say he knows. He knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust he knows who we are he knows we are dust he knows we are frail he knows we are fragile <clears throat> he knows we are failing creatures but thanks be to God he looks at our faults and chooses to deal with us according to our needs Somebody in here today needs to thank God for what he has done, but somebody else, you need to thank God for what he hasn't done. 
And so the question on the table is, will you praise God? Will you thank God the right way? The angels rejoice, but you've got a greater testimony than the angels. Uh, the heavens rejoice. Nature declares his glory, but you've got a greater testimony than nature. Because God not only created you, God redeemed you. And after all you've been through and all God has done for you, he's forgiven you. He's healed you. He's redeemed you. He has shown you a steadfast love. He gives you his grace and mercy every day. He satisfies you. He renews you. But the Bible says you have an obligation to praise God. The 103rd Psalm, verses 1 and 2, here's the New Living Translation. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. My brothers and sisters, if the Bible says let everything that has breath should praise the Lord, then I'm part of that number that needs to thank God the right way. Come on, let's give God some praise. In Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that all that we do and all that we say, all that has been done and said has been pleasing in your sight. God, I pray now. that you would help us to focus less on stuff and more on you. So many focus in this holiday season on retail more than they focus on relationships. Folks started shopping Black Friday sales a week before. Some love standing in line in the early morning. Some camp out depending on the product that's being released. But we won't put forth near that effort in our relationship with you. Help us, God to praise you and thank you the right way. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you haven't done, that you could have done, that you should have done by all rights. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone who can, everyone who will, if you stand on your feet wherever you are. For those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, we want to give you an opportunity now to say yes to the Lord. It's a QR code that's coming up on your screen. If you're with us today, that QR code will take you to a hot link. That hot link will give you an opportunity to make one of several decisions. If you want to accept Jesus Christ in your life, we give you an opportunity to do that.
And I show you via video how to ask the Lord into your life, how to pray the prayer of salvation. If you'd like to unite with our church wherever you are, we invite you to do that. You can become part of our church family via the World Wide Web. And we are grateful to God that we can help facilitate your discipleship through relationships, your relationship with God vertically and your relationship with us horizontally. And you can become part of our rooted and grounded movement. Wherever you are, here's the wonderful thing. God will meet you where you are, but he won't leave you there. He'll make something beautiful out of your life if you let him. He can't do it without your participation and first your permission because you've got to do your part. But if you do your part, God will do his part. So we invite you to come. Those who are in the sanctuary, downstairs or up, we give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Men and women who are standing here would love to show you how to ask Jesus Christ into your life. And if you're in the chat online, just say, I, I need Jesus. Or maybe you need special prayer. Wherever it is, there are those in the chat who would love to interact with you and show you how to ask Jesus Christ into your life or have special prayer with you. Let's sing it together. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Come on, say yes to the Lord today. seated. 